All right. Hello, Redemption Tucson. Good morning, man. Torrance, thank you so much. That was incredible. And um, also Chris Fu, I know, was involved with helping make that and put it all together and just looks so good. So we are blessed by you and thank you for for um, sharing that with us. Um, out of the gates, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church Tucson. If you um, don't know me or you're just now um, signing in. And also I want to give you a, a heads up that I have a stutter and it'll kind of come in and out as I go, as I, as I preach. And just want to make sure that you know what that is. Um, and also as we start this new series, I want to just say a couple things to kind of help us, um, be in a good place of understanding how to think through this. So this whole season, right? COVID-19, the last two and a half months has exposed a number of different things. I think one of the things that I hope we continue is to really find some places, some handlebars, if you will, that we hold onto in God's word. And that specifically the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 are places that we can go. In fact, I would encourage you to commit those to memory. They're both about six verses long and the opportunity to kind of sink in and to have our hearts be shaped and informed by God's word in such a, um, a more accessible way. So again, I'm excited about the fact that we could maybe um, deprofessionalize, if you will, some of um, thinking that, that we need to hear from the professionals all the time. Not that I wanna work myself out of a job here, but um, I do want us to be quick to go to God's word, to find um, to find hope and truth and meaning and, 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 and to be shaped by his word. So that's my hope as we kick off our time this, this morning in Psalm 23, where we'll be for the next few weeks. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray together as we get into it. Heavenly Father, we recognize that this is your word. We confess that we are your people as we will talk about in the coming days and, and, and we're aware across society as things begin to um, open up, the, there's a, a new sense of what now and of who's going to do what, when. And, and Lord, I, I pray that this morning we will individually and corporately as your people be shaped by your word. Lord, as we say, all of life is all for Jesus and, and that can just roll off our tongues, but I pray that through our time in this psalm together over the next few weeks, and specifically this morning, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you will form us, that we will understand what it means to be your people, and that no matter what kind of circumstance we find our, ourselves in, Lord, that we can be shaped by you. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 23 we're going to be in verses one through three this morning, and it starts out like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And as you read through these six verses, it kind of reads like a journal, if you will. It reads a bit like um, this, the author of this David has been through many highs and lows. He's seen all kinds of different things. He's, he's been on the mountaintop. He has been in the valley um, in every way. And, and even just these short six verses kind of read like that, that he's, he's bringing us into his perspective on what it means to follow the Lord and to belong to him and how that informs every aspect of life. And so um, I love journaling. And I'm sure it's in part because I have a 
Tutter, and I remember at a pretty young age, probably around um, high school, I think the first time I ever journaled was around eighth or ninth grade, and just realizing that while my thoughts getting out and I'm from a big family and all this, just the, the freedom to just grab a journal and I would be like, you know, fingers of fury, smoke's c- coming up, that I could just unfiltered, let my thoughts out, pray to God, um, kind of process through things. Now, I'm pretty embarrassed of some of those things from back then, and I don't let a lot of people read those, but you see here, I've got a stack of these journals. I started doing it consistently around my freshman year of college, and, um, and I just thought it was fun to kind of look at and consider how much in my life I can look back and see where I was in some pretty dark places, some pretty difficult places, specifically, I don't know, maybe about like right here or so. Um, in, the, in, that, in that timeline, there was a season where my wife and I were praying about having children and we had been trying for a few years and, and the journal is full of questions and, and lament and frustration and struggle. And then we found out we were pregnant and then we experienced um, tragedy and, and, and sorrow in that. And then we found out again that we were pregnant and we were excited. And we found out it was triplets and we were excited and crying and scared and all these things. And then throughout that whole pregnancy, all the emotional processes through that. And we moved in. And, and again, over those like few years, you just see all these things. And yet in my life and what we see so clearly throughout David's life and specifically in this psalm, that there's a consistent thread, and it's the Lord. And he starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now for us in our, in our day, that might seem kind of weird, right? Shepherd, we don't use that language a lot. Well, in the, in the ancient Near East, um, shepherds were used a lot to refer to gods and kings. That certain, certain images that have been found would refer to gods as, as shepherding their people. And this king, specifically in Assyria, um, would be referred to as, as good shepherds of their people. And the idea was that they would provide. They would provide work. They would provide safety. They would provide flourishing. They would provide food. And, and, and yet they always failed, right? Specifically in that time, if you know anything about it, most often, um, Kings and even the gods that people worshipped were some of the most selfish you could even imagine and usually weren't looking out for the downtrodden, for the struggling, weren't looking out for the, the sheep, if you will. And so this language, though, that David starts out with, he's, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. There's a clarity here that he's saying, listen, I find my, my, my meaning, my purpose, my provision, my hope in life comes from the Lord. And in fact, if you even will, as you look at this, I'm not going to ask you to like write in your journal, but there's kind of a pregnant beginning and it's the word because everything else that flows from here that we'll walk through, it hinges on the fact because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want because my provision, my trust, my hope in life comes from the Lord because he and he alone is my true shepherd. I won't want. Now, again, there's a, another word there, right? Want. How do we use that? How do we view that in our day? Now, I want to be careful here to not be like the Stoics that are like, I shouldn't want anything right now. I should, I should I, just now in the time of confession, I confess that I really want to fly on a plane and go see some, someone that I haven't been able to see, that I want 
to see my mom, who I haven't gotten to see in about two and a half months because she's in a care home and they're on strict quarantine. Oh, I shouldn't want that, right? Like we could go that route and kind of beat, beat ourselves up. Like you shouldn't want anything. Or on the flip side, we, we just hear it and we dismiss it and we don't recognize the current culture that we're in. So we need to dive in to that word a bit. Want is, um, is, is I will not lack. I, I, all the things that I need will be provided for me because the Lord is my shepherd. All right, now again, in our culture, in our context, we need to press in and recognize Sometimes we, we do get it mixed up between wants and needs, right? Amen? You could look at your spouse, your kids, your friend, your roommate, your dog, I don't know, and, be, and you could say, hey, you, you get it mixed up sometimes. All right, we do. We get, we get tripped over these things. And in fact, I read something um, from Timothy Keller earlier this week where he's talking about this. He's talking about in Proverbs revealing the different sins. And one of them is gluttony. And in that proverb, they talk about, um, they talk about you long for olive oil. I was thinking about this in my day, like how many of us just have olive oil in our cabinet all the time, right? Like, yeah, like that's easily accessible. Well, in that time, it was, it was reserved for times of feasting, for, for times of blessing, for kind of special occasions, right? Maybe those things, if you have any like traditions that are, you know, Christmas traditions or things that you save for that. But as I process this, I have fewer and fewer things these days that stay in that category. More things that used to be for special occasions are more often now just, I, I want it now right? I, I'm, I'm craving it now. I, I, I want it whenever I want. I want to be able to click on it and just click Amazon. And man, why are they not doing next day delivery right now? Like, why didn't someone just show up? You know, we kind of have that posture. So it's important here that we recognize that David's language, it's not dismissing those, those kind of creature-like desires that God has given us for good things. But it's ultimately, foundationally saying, because I belong to the Lord because he's my shepherd, because he's my provider. I ultimately will not lack anything. And then he moves on and talks about, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then look what God does as our shepherds, as the one who cares for us, as the one who provides for us. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, kind of get into this with me, if you will. Picture this. I don't know what, like think of a time in your life where you're exhausted. Maybe it was from work. Maybe it was like in a long hike, a long run, something from sports, maybe something like that. And you needed a break. All right, what comes to me, um, what comes to my mind, th this image, if you've ever hiked the Grand Canyon or you've ever heard of that um, and you've, anyone's ever talked to you about, about it, there's this one place that pretty much, no matter where you start, if you do like rim to rim to rim and you survived and you're not, and you're just crazy if that's the case, or you did kind of rim to rim or you did it where you go down from, you start on this rim and you make your way up, it almost always at least as I understand it, goes up, ends up on what's called the Bright Angel Trail. And you work your way up from that. And there's this place that's called Indian Gardens. And no matter how you've gone about this hike, no matter how long the journey, you're hot at that point. You are worn out. And you almost can't appreciate it unless you see like pictures or you actually do it yourself. But there are 
I'm not lying right now. There are deer there. Like, I don't know if they transport the deer, if they keep them somehow locked in, but almost every time I've heard people, and this is my experience too, you just see deer. All of a sudden, you're sweating it out, you're walking, there's no shade, and all of a sudden there's a creek, you can put your feet in, you can refill your water, it's filtered, right? It's not gonna give you something. And then all of a sudden these deer come like prancing through. And it's this incredible respite. It's this place of, of refuge, again, of not lacking, of whatever your needs are, they're being met right now. And yet it starts out by saying what? You ask God and he gives it to you exactly as you ask him. No. The language here says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. So we understand, right? We have an idea, a picture in our mind of these green pastures. I actually just now noticed I'm wearing a green shirt. There you go. Illustration, right? Green pastures. Like we don't have many, many of those in Tucson, but this idea of, of relaxing, of resting, of, you know, shade, of being refilled. But before that, it says that the good shepherd the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. And there are different translations that use different language. Some says he causes me to lie down. Some, there's some conversation about this. And I just want to say this in case you're, you're thinking along these lines. That some say like um, he provides for me and like allows me to. But I think the language as I've pressed into it, I think him making us lie down in these green pastures and leading us beside still waters is, 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 is an intentional action from God, if you will. He takes the initiative to do for us what we need. And why is that? Well, again, it's pressing back. I think even earlier when Joel was talking about all the different places we go to find refreshment, to find, right, as he was describing sin in the time of, of confession, um, we go everywhere else. And again, I don't want this to be shame on you if you ever play video games or, or crave something or long for something. That's, in fact, can be very biblical. Not the video games part. I don't even know about all that. But um, I don't know enough Greek and Hebrew to dive into that. But um, things that replenish us that we long for is incredibly biblical, all right? There, we should be a people who long for things to be the way they, they ought to be. We, we should long for when every tear will be wiped away, when there will be a feast, right? And it won't just be, hey, you're not lacking, but there will be an abundance. And, and, and you know, God just provides and gives for us and it's, it's joy-filled. And yet the reality, especially in our day, but even then is so often we don't, find refreshment in ways that actually refresh us, right? We, we, we need to be forced sometimes to, to actually lie down. I, I, I've heard people like bemoan the fact that we have to sleep, right? And sadly, there are some people who like take certain pills to make yourself sleep and then do other things to make yourself wake up, right? You got some like downers and some uppers and you drink, you know, you, and then you drink a bunch of coffee and that gets you up in the morning and this whole thing. But, but if we would step back and see how God, the good shepherd, the creator made us, he, he gave us sleep. He gave us appetites. He gave us thirst physically and emotionally, relationally, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one here that can, that can, that has a couple times where I had a day off and I actually felt pretty beat down and exhausted at the end of that day off. 
because I chose to meet my needs, to find refreshment, to find the shade and the, and the, and the, and the cool creek and to try to fabricate the deer prancing across that would refresh me, but they ultimately didn't. Or because I didn't process and slow down and think, okay, how does God meet my needs? Well, he provides for his people in the ways that we need, and he knows what we need. So an action point would just be this, pause and just ask God, God, what does my heart need right now? What, what, what do I need you to provide? What do my spouse and I relationally need right now? We have habits where we just pull out devices or do things like that, but what, what do we really need? What do I really need? What, and, and it might be video games. It might be watching a show together. It might be binging. I don't know what, you know, but, but again, if we pause and we go to God and we trust that he's the one who provides it, he knows what we need. Hear me now, because often we don't know what we lack. Okay, but he does. So let's go to him with a humble posture. And he also restores our souls. Church, look at me right now. Let me ask you this. Does your soul need to be restored? I feel burdened. Okay, the elders have been praying together. The staff have been praying together. As we process and prepare this service every week, we are keenly aware that we're all in different places, that there are people with different forms of mental um, um, illness, the different forms of, of, of anxieties, of worry that this, this time we're in has only exacerbated and heightened. And then, and then we are in greater sense of isolation right now. There might be outside pressure from work. Um, I don't know what it looks like for you, but hear me. God's message to you is that he restores your, your soul. Okay, is it because you are his he knows what you lack. He loves you. He's pursuing you. He knows what you need. Okay, so even, even right now, as I continue on, let me pause and just pray for, for you, okay, for us. This isn't the end of the sermon prayer, all right? Don't get up, don't go, okay, but let me pray for us right now, for you, that, that, that God would restore our souls and meet our needs and the way that only he can. Heavenly Father, we need you. I, I trust that, that, that you know every heart that's involved in this service right now. Lord, everyone who, wherever they may be, it, it's mind-blowing that you are transcendent, you are great, you oversee all things, and yet you are so present. Lord, you're intimately involved in the inner workings of all of our lives. You know what we need. So Lord, I pray that right now you will restore the souls of your people. Lord, again, I pray that whatever anyone is going through right now, even if the circumstances don't change, there would be a keen sense of refreshment and knowing that we are yours. Lord God, and that you meet our deepest needs on a heart level, on a soul level. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. And then this last part here in verse 3, it says that 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Paths of righteousness. Okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means you don't ever curse. You don't ever, how's that, that phrase go? You don't, you, don't, you don't curse, chew, go out with girls who do. I don't know, something like that. I lived in Arkansas for like five years. Sorry, that was, that was a real like, practical application for us. But no, there's this, it, that's what we think of, right? We think of this in purely individualistic, moralistic phrases, right? Like God leads me into righteousness so I don't do naughty things. And that's all it means. And yes, there is a sense of personal righteousness of morality, but it's much bigger than that. It's the, the wording here is, is right living. And not just again, individual moralistic. I do all the things that I should do. I don't do all the things that I shouldn't do. You know, it's, it's no, it's, 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 it's flourishing as God's people. All right, there is language here all throughout, and we'll get into it in the next two weeks as well, that right now we're in the shepherd language, and it will also transition and go into some hosting language. Again, kings were both viewed as shepherds and also as hosts, and they would host these feasts, these, these parties, and they were the best hosts imaginable. And so as we get into some of the next language, which right, we'll see that God prepares a table, and we'll dive into that, and where does he do it? Always, even in the presence of enemies, in the middle of the battlefield, in the, in the darkest day, God sets the table, the feast, and he provides it all. So there's language here of host. And now hear me, both sheep and sitting around a table is not an individualistic endeavor. Amen? One of the smartest theologians I know, and also the prettiest and my favorite, no, my, my wife um, threw this out. She, she said, while we were talking about this, she said, unless a sheep is lost, it's not alone. And that's all she said, right? I, I talked for probably 10 minutes before and after that. And she's one of those like mic drop people that just gives one sentence. And it's like, whoa, okay, there you go. You have yourself a jury. Like I'm processing this and she just says that, but isn't that true? Unless a sheep is lost, it's not alone. So there's this imagery here as we are God's people, his sheep, and he's our shepherd and he's providing for us. And there's this imagery of righteousness, of flourishing together, of living life the way it should be together. And as I was again processing this, I just had a couple conversations earlier this week um, with, with a couple different people. One good friend who's actually here, we were, we were um, um, talking through it together, Joel and I were talking about this and we were talking about paths of righteousness and what that looks like. And we're talking about what's going on in the world. And as we talked about these things, stuff we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, getting to see the world a little bit more clearly through Joel's lens, where he sees matters of justice and, 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 and struggling to be loving and then being righteous and, and laying down your rights and being empathetic and being um, a, a parent and a father. And specifically in his context, he, he, he opened my eyes. Like there's so much that I don't see. I'm lacking, right? I'm lacking. And God, the good provider who meets my needs, provides often through a brother or sister in Christ. There's so much that I don't know in growing in Christ's likeness, the outside of relationship with brothers and sisters of, in, of, of, of Christ, especially who, who, who have different experiences for me right? That, that's God, God leads us in understanding the righteous path. 
communally. And then similarly, there's a great sister um, who I, I've, I've talked about before, and um, Shirley Gator. I've gotten to talk with her. She's been on every week to pray on Wednesday, and, and those who have gotten to pray with her are always so encouraged and so blessed. And she's a recent widow. So imagine walking through this pandemic season, and then all the more, you just recently lost your husband of over 40 years. And she reveals things to me about following God, trusting God, leaning into him, pressing into his word that I don't know how to do. I've never had to do. I don't even have the, 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 the filter to understand these kind of things. And so as God leads me in paths of righteousness, it includes walking alongside other sheep. And ultimately, why does he do all this? For his name's sake. As is always the case, all right, we say, what well, all of life is all for Jesus. Why do we exist as a church? For God's glory and for the good of Tucson. What do we, what do we see right here in this, in this pause, this refrain through this season, is um, through this, this psalm, is he says, all these things you do, you provide for me, you meet my needs, you meet our needs, you, you are the good shepherd for your name's sake. Right in the very beginning in creation, all throughout the whole Bible, God does this to put himself on display. He created you and me to reveal himself. He reconciles us to himself, though we have all like sheep gone, as gone astray, each one to his own way. He laid on him the iniquity of us all he, to reconcile us to himself and then to reconcile us to each other, right? John 17, we've been talking about this. He wants to display his glory through our reconciliation, through our unity together. Amen? And how does he do this? The answer is always. He most clearly reveals himself. He most clearly makes himself known through Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In that entire chapter, Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd who pursues his sheep, who protects his sheep, who provides for his sheep, who, who establishes his sheep in righteousness, right? Through, through being called into relationship with him. He is the good shepherd, amen? And so now as we respond, let's pray together. And especially we can consider as we prepare to take communion together, how Jesus, the good shepherd, Lay down his life for us in order to meet our every need. Amen. Let's pray together. Again, Father, you are good. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And as we talked about earlier, we confess, Lord, by your spirit, I pray you will make us aware that you will reveal to us the ways that we, we, we are under shepherds of other lesser ultimately failing shepherds. Lord, where do we look for provision, for life, for refreshment, for respite elsewhere, and it ultimately fails us? But God, you provide. You're good. Lord, you restore our souls. So I pray now that you will continue to lead us or to responding to your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.